0: I wanna add my welcome to everybody here in the auditorium, in the atrium, and joining us online. Welcome to week three of The Blessed Life, where we're talking about God's guidelines to financial health. And wouldn't you know it, every time I talk about money, I get hit with something. I remember eight years ago, I was doing a series called Wiser with Money, our boiler went out the house. Uh, Four years ago, we were in a series, kicked off the new year with Get Fit, and the week I talked about getting fit financially, the water heater went out. And you you need to know, I'm not Mr. Fix-It. I'm not. That may shock a lot of you. But I I don't fix stuff. In fact, when I try to fix stuff, I hurt myself. Uh, But I do know which end of the hammer to hold when I give it to Phyllis so she can fix stuff. But I'm not a Mr. Fix-It guy. So I call the repair guy about the water heater. He comes over. I say to him, I go, it's not very old. He's looking at it. He goes, well, it's eight years old. The warranty runs out at six years. They got these things perfectly timed. I said to Phyllis, this is going to be expensive. This thing is going to be like $350. $400. And I said to the repair guy, I said, Hey, I don't want a deluxe water heater. I don't want a sexy water heater. I'm not going to take a selfie with it. I just want a water heater that heats water. He says, that'll be about a thousand dollars. You don't know how I tried to act like that amount of money didn't faze me. Then my nose started bleeding I mean, you can't hide this stuff. So like three weeks ago, they said, hey, would you do this week in the blessed life? I said, yes. Since that time, I've replaced a dishwasher and a stove. (laughs) Uh, We all have money stories. We all do, don't we? And money, what an interesting thing about money. Money has a way of... uh, Uh, You know, if you want to know what somebody values, what they hope for, what their priorities are, way better than just asking them. You look at how they handle their money because our money money ultimately expresses what we believe in and what our values are. Uh, Probably if I were to ask everybody here and everyone watching, what's the number one commitment in your life? Now, I know not everybody. I know that. But many people... They would say, God is number one in my life. But what would be interesting, a better question would be, is does the way I handle my money, would that confirm what I say with my lips? Would it do that? Yeah. Well, let's jump in. Week three, the blessed life, looking at God's guidelines of financial health. And I want to begin, I want to begin this time by looking at one of the most amazing verses in the entire Bible. And this is right at the end of the Old Testament. It's written by the prophet Malachi, and God is speaking through Malachi to the people of Israel. And it's Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verses 10 and 12. It's in the message notes on the side screens. You can follow as I read this. You know, before I read this, I just want to say, there's a lot of people in our church that their lives are going to change forever from this weekend. They just don't know it yet, but they are. Let's read this. You can follow as I read it. Malachi chapter three, verse 10. Malachi, God says through Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God is a generous God and God wants his people created in his image, human beings to be generous just like God. And the fundamental practice that God established to teach generosity to His people is this thing called tithing. Tithing, and if you're if you've been in church all your life, you know about tithing. Maybe you've even practiced it practiced it for years. But if you're new to the whole church deal, if you are, uh, you may think tithing as I talk about it, you may think that is the craziest financial idea you've ever heard of. You'd go, this does not even make financial sense. Well, I've designed this message for people that are either new to church or they've never tried tithing. And the way I'm approaching this message, I'm going to go through a series of questions that people always ask me Whenever I talk on this subject, I mean, this could be like tithing 101. And you can write these questions down. Here's the first one. Very basic. What is tithing? What is it? Dennis talked about it a little bit last week. But tithing comes from a Hebrew word that means the 10th part. The 10th part or one-tenth. And the practice of tithing is giving 10% of my income Back to God. And I mention this because sometimes speak, people speak a little loosely about tithing. I've heard people say, I tithe my time. I've heard other people say, I tithe uh, $10. Well, if you tithe $10, then literally your income is $100. I mean, that's what it would be. Tithe is a 10% deal. That's what a tithe means. And you think about this. Every time you have income, It is a gift from God every single time. James 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. You're alive, your life is a gift from God. You must have some talent, you have some skill, some ability. Oh, where did that come from? You have skill, talent, and ability that you received a paycheck. Where did that talent and ability come from? Ultimately, that came from God also. You have strength to do your job. You have health, mental capacity. Somebody saw value in you for what you can do that they paid you last week or two weeks ago, whatever. Just like your life, where do all those skills that you have to earn a living come from? Ultimately, they come from God. And anytime income comes your way, anytime, whether you earn a small amount, moderate amount, or a massive amount? May I suggest you do something? You may think this is a silly discipline, but I do this, and I have done this most of my adult life. Every time I get income, I hold that check in my hand physically, if it's a check, or if it's downloaded right into my bank account, first time I open my laptop and I see that that's in the bank. I stop and I go. Dear God, thank you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And you've given me health, you've given me strength, you've given me the mental ability, some skill to do my job that I received this paycheck. And I want to thank you for it. Thank you, God. Amen. I do that every time. I think about the fact that about a third of the world's population, they can't earn an income. They can't earn an income at all because of dysfunctional economies or broken down governments. And these people live on scraps and junk and it's terrible and it's through no fault of their own. So I never take a paycheck for granted and I hope I never do. Hope I never do in any way. And I've developed this little discipline. I'd suggest it to you. You get a paycheck. You say, God, this is a gift from you. Thank you. And the minute after we do that, thank you, God, for that income, what's the very first command the Bible gives to any serious Christ follower? What to do right after that? The very first thing the Bible would say is you take a portion. You take the first tenth, 10%, and you bring that tithe to God you bring that tithe to God. That's what a tithe is. Here's another question people ask, second one. People say, well, what does the Bible really say about that? What does the Bible say about tithing? That's the second one. And you need to know the Bible says a lot about it. Actually, the Bible puts this tithing in the non-optional category. Look at Leviticus 23 verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, it doesn't say, you know, you give if you feel like it. It doesn't say you give if you feel led. No, God says that tithe actually is already mine. It belongs, it belongs to me, it's mine. It's like God is saying, I want to teach people generosity. I want to teach people generosity is the way of my kingdom. Generosity is the key to a productive life. So I want you to regard the tithe, that 10% of your income, is not even belonging to you. God says, that's mine. It's mine. And notice in Malachi 3.10, That verse I read a moment ago, I don't know if we have it up on the screen again, but it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The Bible always talks about bringing the tithe. It never talks about giving the tithe, not at all. It's always about bringing the tithe. And that's not an accident because I can't give something that doesn't belong to me. I can return something that doesn't belong to me. But if it's not mine originally, I can't, I can't uh, give it, I can bring it. And God says, I want you to think of a tithe that way. It belongs to me, so you bring it to me. And in the Bible, uh, people do give offerings. In the Bible, people give offerings. That's over and above the tithe. But they bring the tithe, into the storehouse, into their place of worship where they receive uh, spiritual uh, sustenance and guidance. But the tithe belongs to God. It's God's. I hear people, uh, Christ followers say, often I'll hear people say, I give as I feel led. I give as I feel led. That's actually a true statement. We do give offerings over and above the tithe. But the tithe... We bring to God. We return to God, because the Bible says it belongs to God. And Phyllis and I, we have our tithe. We've always brought our tithe to the church we're a part of for the last twenty-three years. We bring our tithe, and we still do, right here to Crossroads, because this is this is uh, our spiritual home, and it continues to be. We actually give offerings over and above our tithe, to crossroads, over and above the tithe, and to other ministries that we believe in, that we feel led to give to, and causes that we feel led to be a part of and to give to. But the tithe, we bring to our spiritual home, because the Bible says it belongs, it belongs to the Lord. God says, I want you to regard a tithe as belonging to me. Here's another question, a third one. People always will ask this one What if I'm unable to tithe? What if I'm unable to tithe? And of course, this is an interesting question. If I'm unable to tithe. And let's set aside that idea of tithing for a moment. Let's just talk about giving in general. There's a professor at Syracuse University, his name is Arthur Brooks. And he writes that millions of Americans every year give nothing to any organization. No donations, no charity, no church, mosque, synagogue. Millions of Americans every year, they give nothing. And when they ask him, why don't you give anything, you know what their number one response is? I can't afford to. I don't have enough money to. And here's what's interesting about that I can't afford to reason. That reason is used more by people of upper income than people of lower income. Statistically, people with higher incomes give a less percentage of their income to all kinds of organizations than do people of of lower income. Lower income, people give more. We live with the illusion, if I had more, I'd give more. In fact, statistics, a recent year here in the United States, people that made $25,000 a year or less, you know what they give annually? 7.7% of their income, $25,000 a year or less. People that made $25,000 to $50,000 a year, they give 4.6% of their income away. People that make between $50,000, 75000 they give of their income away. People, you see the trend? People that make 75 to 100,000 a year, they give 3% of their income away. People that make between 100,000 and 200,000, they give 2.6% of their income away. People that make even into the millions, it ticks up a little, they give 2.8% of their income away. Why is that? Why is that? Because they can't afford to. They can't afford to give more. And how does that happen? Here's how it happens. I'll tell you how all of this happens. And this can happen to you, this can happen to me. If I approach my money by saying, what are my expenses? And I pay those expenses first, here's what'll happen. My life will fill up with expenses and the more money I bring in, the more expenses I'm gonna have. I mean, what's the number one expense that we face uh, in our lives? The number one expense, Northern Colorado especially. Anybody know? Housing, that's right. Housing is the number one expense. Housing costs a lot of money in Northern Colorado. What's another big expense? Kids, somebody said kids. Kids are a big expense, aren't they? I mean, kids take a lot of money, big slice out of the pie. Those greedy little kids, I mean, they want braces, right? They want braces, they want school stuff, they gotta have clothes, all those kinds of things. I read somebody this week, somebody said, they're paying 24,000 a year on childcare. I mean, kids are a blessing from God, don't get me wrong, but they're expensive little blessings, they are. What's another big expense? Cars, autos, right? Man, we all, I want a nice car. We all want a nice car, that costs money. Takes a big slice out of the pie. How about another one? Uh, health insurance. Health insurance, that costs a lot of money. Food, somebody said food. How many of you eat? You know, a lot of us eat, a Lot. A not everybody, but a lot of us eat. Food costs a lot of money. And then we're so busy, what do we do? We don't have time to cook fix food at home, we go to restaurants, that costs money. Then there's vacation, all that, all this stuff costs money. And then we pay that first, you know what's remaining? The leftovers, leftovers is what's left. And often people do this, can happen to any of us, can happen to you, can happen to me. We give God what's left. We give God the leftovers. All I have to give you God is what's left, I'm sorry. And it was not in my intent. I, I, I didn't intend to not be a generous person, you know, but I, all I got is these leftovers now. Neither tithing or generosity will ever happen in your life if you do the leftover approach with your money. And this is where a very important principle kicks in that's a biblical principle related to tithing. And you can write this down. The Bible calls it the first fruits principle. First fruits principle. It's written throughout the Bible. Do your own study on first fruits. Like Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Look at what it says. Solomon writes, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the leftovers of all your income. No, it doesn't say that. It says the first part First fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And obviously, when the Bible was written back then, it was an agrarian uh, economy. Their financial assets were tied up in agriculture. But they honored God right off the top. I could give you a ton of these. Exodus 23, 19. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. And the idea here is, when I get paid, the first thing I do with my money, the first portion is what I set aside. And I bring that to God. I say to God, right off the top, God, this belongs to you. That's the first fruits principle. You see, a tithe is not just 10% of my income. The tithe is the first 10% of my income. That's what the tithe is. And in Israel, the people were so committed to this. They were so committed to it. Farmers would go through their field and when they saw a tree that was beginning to bear fruit, the first one, they would tie a reed around that tree and they would know everything on that tree, that first one that's bearing fruit, that everything on there, that's gonna go to the Lord. And I'm going to trust that God is going to be there with me for the rest of the harvest. They'd say, God, I trust you so much that the very first fruits that I'm tempted to hold on to, I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to bring it to you. And God was saying to the people, 90% of your income with my blessing will go further than 100% you keeping without my blessing. That's what he's saying. And the way this works, the way this works is when I get paid, the first check I write, and people under 30, a check, people under 30, I, mean, I think i got to explain this. A check was a little piece of paper. Little piece of paper and we fill those thing I'd fill those things out, put it in an envelope, and we would actually mail it to where we owed money. That's how we paid our bills in the olden days. And they gave you a little thing called a checkbook where you could keep track of all those checks in that. Hey, ask your grandparents about it. Ask them about that later. But the first one I would write would be a check to God. I do this online now. But the first one I would do would be a check to God. I'd go, God, this is yours. Would you just bless? Would you bless whatever we have after that? Would you? God, thank you so much that I was able to earn this. This first thing I'm bringing back to you. And you want to know why? Because you bring a tithe in faith. In other words, you don't bring the last 10% of your income. You bring the first 10%. The last 10% doesn't take any faith, any trust. That's what's left over. You give the first 10% in faith, trusting God's gonna bring a blessing on the rest. And you may be wondering, why can't I write the first check to the mortgage company? Well, here's the reason. The mortgage company cannot bless your financial life Have you ever noticed that? Visa's never called me up. John, you pay us first. You pay Visa first. We're going to pour out so much blessing on your financial life. Never. I mean, actually, Visa hopes I don't pay them ever. So high interest rates kick in and I end up blessing their financial life. The reality is the best way to be able to tithe is to begin to tithe, you don't wait. Whatever season you're in, there'll always be a reason to wait. There always will. There'll always be a reason to wait. As we make more money, our expenses grow. We make more money, our expenses grow. There'll always be a reason to wait. You wait till you can afford to tithe, you'll never tithe. You won't. Because here's the thing about money money's not about money, money's about trust. What do I trust? What do I trust? doesn't take any faith, any trust to give God leftovers. It doesn't. It's what's left. And here's what some of you are thinking right now. I know some of you are thinking, if I did this, John, if I did what you're suggesting, this first fruits principle, if I did that, I know what would happen. If I got serious with this, I know what would happen. If I did that, I'd end up with nothing. I would end up with nothing if I paid God 10% first. I'd end up with nothing naked in North Glen. I'm not not down on North Glen. You know, I needed an (laughs) N-word, naked in North Glen. But don't we think that way? We think that way. If I got serious about tithing this way first 10%, I know what would happen. I'd be stripped bare with nothing. I'd be bare living under a bridge in Brighton. This is the way we think. Can I ask you? Let me ask you this. Where did you get that sick view of God? What kind of dysfunctional God do you think exists? What would ever make you think that would be God's plan for your life? God has never treated you in any way that would make you think that would happen. That's not the God of the Bible. God of the Bible says what his plan for your life is. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you hope in a future. But we're prone to think this way. This is the power of money. We're prone to think this way. I'll tell you, tithing will test your faith. Tithing will test your faith. And tithing will build your faith. It's a test and a faith builder. Here's a fourth question people ask me. Always, always, some are thinking this right now. Right now, people are thinking this. Do I tithe on the net or the gross? My short answer, I go, it depends. I go, do you want God to bless the net or the gross? That's my answer right there. But this first fruits principle in the Bible goes way back to the beginning. A lot of you have heard the story of Cain and Abel. You know the story of Cain and Abel? Many of you do. Uh, They had some problems between the two of them. You want me to show you where the trouble started between Cain and Abel? Genesis 4, beginning at verse 3. Look at this. In the process of time, those are important words right there. Remember those words. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Notice, nothing about Nothing about first fruits. And Cain was a farmer. Abel was a rancher. Abel also brought of the firstborn animals of his herd choice cuts of meat. God liked, the word meant respected, Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering did not get God's approval. You wonder why Abel was favored and not Cain. Abel gave the way God commanded. Abel gave the firstborn. First fruits, first portion, choice cuts. He said, God, this belongs to you. I'm going to bring it in faith. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Cain, in the process of time, he gave what he wanted when he wanted it. He gave the leftovers, leftovers. He said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in charge of my money. That's the difference sir. You know, in fact, in the New Testament, we see the ultimate expression of God's generosity. What's the most famous verse in the Bible? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Ultimate expression of God's generosity. And remember the first fruits principle. Remember this. Look at what Paul writes about Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I don't know if you've thought about this. Jesus is God's first fruits, first born gift to all of us. And what's amazing to me, some people will trust God with their salvation They'll trust God with their eternal destiny in heaven, but they don't have enough faith to trust God when it comes to their money. I mean, what's the logic in that? If I could trust God with my eternal destiny, don't I I think I can trust God with my money? It's the same God. And I would challenge you, don't let the evil one rob you of one more minute of God's blessing on your life. And that's really my last question people ask. They'll ask, what happens if I tithe? That's number five. What happens if I tithe? Real short answer, you'll get blessed. You'll get blessed. The Bible is remarkably clear about this. God said in that Malachi passage, take the first 10% of any income. Give it back to me. See if I will not throw open. The floodgates of heaven pour out so much blessing, you won't have room to store it. Then God said, I dare you. I dare you. Trust me in this. Trust me. You start doing this on a regular, consistent basis. See if I'm not a faithful God. See if I don't bless your life. Test me. I dare you, God says. And what kind of blessing is, is God talking about? Really, you know, what kind of blessing is God talking about here? You know, there's two extremes, I think, when people teach about this. One extreme, they say the blessing is the health wealth. Uh, Name it, claim it. Uh, Prosperity gospel, you know, that says, you tithe, you tithe, you too will drive a Lexus because God's going to get you one. This is the key to a seven-figure income. 10,000-square-foot house, prosperity gospel. If you've been around here, you know me. You know what I think about that. I think that's garbage. I think it's trash. But there's another extreme that's just as off base. And it's the idea God doesn't bless at all. That there is no relationship with bringing the first fruits, first 10% of our income, giving it to God, bringing it to God, and that God will, doesn't do anything in our life. That is not biblical. Bible teaches we give the first 10% of our income. We bring it back to God in that tithe. God will bless our life. So what kind of blessing? What kind of blessing are we talking about? I mean, it could be financial. That could be the blessing. Could be the blessing of security. Could be the blessing of, of impact, uh, Blessing of influence, creativity. It's up to God what the blessing is. It could, be, it could be a blessing on a relationship, on a marriage, on a family, children. It could be God's favor shown on you through impact, influence, a breakthrough enterprise, discovery. It's up to God. It's up to God what the blessing is. But God will bless your life. And I'd go, I'm a living testimony of this. Phyllis and I, were living testimonies of this. And we are blessed financially. But we are way more blessed, way more blessed relationally, occupationally, and emotionally than we ever have been financially. And we have our first fruits, first 10%. Uh, built right into our budgeting process. And we bring that to the church right here, and it's over 10, actually, as I said. You know, in 2019, I I led our, our Daring Faith financial campaign. And if you're new, through Daring Faith, we made a two-year commitment to things over and above our 10% giving. And through Daring Faith, we funded clinics in Congo and We established more work at Edmondson Elementary School here in our own neighborhood. Other ministries through the church, other ministries we supported outside the church to make an impact and and things like that. And during that campaign, I challenged people. Ask God what God would have you do over and above the 10%. And I challenged people, just do whatever God says. And Phyllis and I did that. We did the same thing. And we prayed, God, what would you have us do? over the, the tithing that we're doing already towards daring faith. And we prayed and asked God, and we, uh, I've never shared this before. You know, if you've been around here, I've never talked about this. I never planned on it. But this week, as I was preparing this, I, I felt a prompting from God to share this, to come clean about what we did during that daring faith campaign. And so during daring faith, we felt... God speaking to us to make a commitment of $500 a month over our 10% tithing, in, which was a little larger than that at the time. But $500 a month may not seem like a lot to you. That was a big stretch for us. But we were excited. God led us to do that. That was on the weekend of May 21st, uh, 2016. Two months later to the day Phyllis was diagnosed with cancer. Stage four cancer. And our medical bills began skyrocketing. As those of you who have serious medical conditions, cancer, things like that, you know what that is. You've been there, or you are there right now. And our bills have continued to. And so then Phyllis thought, what do we do now? We made this commitment. We've only been doing it for two months. And now we have these bills that we're paying that insurance are not paying all of it. And so we thought about it, and as we prayed, we thought, you know what? Nothing takes God by surprise. God didn't cause cancer, but God, we felt like God knew what we're going we're gonna to be going through. God knew what we were going to be going through, and God still made that impression on us to make that $500 monthly commitment, and we thought, we're going to stay with that. We're going to stick with that, and we did. We did for those two years. And we've been blessed somehow to be able to cover all those medical expenses uh, during that time and continue, continue to. We've been able to stay up on all of those things that were astronomical at times. And our faith and trust in God has grown exponentially through this. And what a, my favorite verse now, I use it a lot as email addresses, is 419. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs. And we've seen that. God has blessed us. And Phyllis, uh, with stage four cancer, in two months, it'll be three years. Three years with that serious cancer. And she's still here. Still here doing well. Still here doing well. And if you've never tithed before, I mean, this is your chance, that 90-day tithe challenge that we heard about uh, bring the full tithe first 10% of your income into the storehouse that you're a part of and if in 90 days you feel God is clearly not blessed your life you can get your money back no questions asked you know and I'm not on the staff here anymore right I'm like you I'm not on the staff I'm just up here talking uh, I've talked with our staff though they're dead serious about this dead serious and I know some of you, this is the first time you ever heard something like this. First time you heard about first fruits tithing at all. You're new to church and you need time to think about this. I get that. You should never make a financial decision because you feel you're under pressure. You should not without fully understanding it. So if this is all new to you, you're not ready to make that commitment, you got three weeks to go after this week. Keep coming. Don't miss a week of this series. Keep coming, keep praying, keep learning, keep growing. And I hope within these three weeks, you will uh, take the challenge and fill out the card or go online, you can do that. I know that. But I'll tell you what's gonna happen for some people. I've seen it happen before. Some of you 90 days from now, you're gonna end up saying, thank you thank you. I never knew the the adventure that I've been missing. I didn't know what it really meant to fully trust God. I've come to church. I pray. I read the Bible. I say God's first in my life. But I didn't know the joy and the blessing that was associated with putting God first in a very real concrete way. Thank you. And some of you, some of you don't know now what you will know in 90 days. You are on the threshold of the greatest financial adventure of your life. So keep coming. And my time's up. So keep coming, learning, and growing. And let's stand for a closing prayer. God, I thank you that you're a generous God. And God, thank you that you've given us your very best, uh, this beautiful world creation that we live in. You've given us our our lives. You've given us our, our friends, family. You've given us our church family here, the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives, and especially your son, Jesus Christ. And God, you know how we all do have a story when it comes to money. And some of us are excited. Some of us are afraid. We're anxious about that whole subject. God, help us. Help us to embrace the adventure of generous living. In Jesus' name, amen.